welcome to another episode of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nick, and I will once again be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the worlds of real estate tech, operations, and financials from across the globe. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you, so if you like what you hear and want to hear more of it, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give a like, a share, a review. All of that helps us know how we're doing and bump us up in the rankings so more people can listen to the content. So today I'm joined by Melina Cordero. She's the global head of retail research at CBRE. And CBRE recently put out a report on omni-channel real estate. And in it, there was a lot of really good nuggets, tidbits, and facts about kind of the future of retail, how e-commerce has come into play, and really how there is not necessarily a death sentence for the brick-and-mortar retail store. And there's a really great opportunity for those willing to embrace it the merger and integration of e-commerce with the brick-and-mortar retail uh, to be successful. We talk about different trends, different uh, generational gaps, uh, how Generation Z is coming into play with this, um, and a lot, of, a lot of really good advice from Melina on what you can do as both a, a retailer or as a property manager, landlord, uh, to combat maybe your fears around e-commerce and how to be prepared for where the future is going in retail. So I hope you enjoy, and without further ado, here is Melina Cordero. Thank you, Melina, for joining me today. Well, thanks to you for having me. And I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, I read an article that you authored, I guess it's more of a report that you authored, and an article that I read with CBRE, um, regarding the omni-channel real estate. And before we actually get into that, I wanted to start with you, Melina. If you could give me a little bit about your background, what brought you to CBRE, and ultimately to our conversation today. Sure, I'd be happy to. So right now, in this moment, I am the head of retail research for the Americas and, and most recently now for our global um, team. So covering retail, everything retail, really, from the Americas across the world. And what that means is that I'm essentially charged with understanding everything that's happening in the retail and real estate market, um, whether that touches on consumers, whether it's spending, whether it's economic growth, uh, down to e-commerce and down to what's happening with the asset types themselves, malls versus stores versus high streets. So it's a, it's a wide gamut, um, and I kind of got here in a bit of a circuitous route and I was studying urban planning in graduate school and fell into the mall world where I was studying a lot of uh, mall development uh, which I thought was fascinating all over the world and from there kind of ended up in the retail world worked in market research for a bit from there went to work for a startup so I was working in the tech world where we were looking at massive mobile data and uh, tracking mobile phones and understanding in the very early days of that technology, how you can harness that data to understand consumers and understand movement um, in the shopping center space, which was very interesting and is definitely a growing field. Yeah. And from about three years ago, I joined CBRE. 
And now we have this intersection of digitization with retail. So it's kind of a nice opportunity for you to blend the two together, huh? Absolutely. I think technology and data have become two buzzwords, uh, not just buzzwords, I mean, really big trends in the industry. And everyone in retail, whether you are a consumer, a retailer, or an investor owner of property, you're looking at data and technology differently and trying to understand how you leverage that for your business or, or for your growth. And an interesting thing we've talked about on this podcast before, too, is the entry of multifamily property management companies who are also now embracing that retail aspect. And I feel like that over the last couple of years has also been a big trend, no? There's a huge trend in that. And there's an almost, um, we refer to it as a live, work, play trend that also touches on amenitization. So you have these large mixed use projects um, where multifamily and office uh, on the say upper floors are realizing that having retail on a ground floor uh, really gives them a leg up and an advantage in attracting talent or attracting tenants, whether you're an office tenant looking to get the best employees or a multifamily unit looking to get the highest you know, paid renters. Um, to have ground floor retail that is compelling and interesting, whether it's a cool new cafe concept or um, a great grocery store or a really cool retailer, um, that gives you a competitive advantage. And so you get more and more of these mixed-use developments that are looking to um, mix up the offer, have retail on the ground floor, and then be able to provide those people who are living, working, playing there with apps and technology that allow them to seamlessly move between uses. So work upstairs, order your coffee on your phone, go down and pick it up or have it delivered. So tech and data are really big in that. And let's talk tech and data because that is kind of the basis of of me finding you and uh, this definitive guide to omni-channel real estate that you authored. Before we get into some of the findings, which I think is really interesting and cool, um, why did you guys decide to put this report out? That's a great question. Um, well, e-commerce and omni-channel are obviously huge topics in the industry. We're, we're seeing them everywhere. There's a lot of conversation about it, um, a lot of questions, I'd say more questions than answers. And as we, you know, from a research perspective, start digging through the data to understand what's going on and how it affects the industry, what I realized was in those conversations, in those headlines, there's actually a lot of misconceptions. So what this guide was meant to do, this project, and really it's living on, um, is to cut through that noise, separate myths from reality, and really provide some answers to the key questions everyone's asking. What is e-commerce? What does it mean for the business? What does it mean for the future of retail? Um, and then I think the other really interesting thing that I found is, as I've done research in this area is that there's no one central repository. I think if someone wants to go and understand what is e-commerce and how is it impacting the retail sector, there's no central hub. And so what we wanted to do is provide a place that had credible data-driven responses to the key questions the industry is asking um, in an easy, convenient, one-stop shop. And so that's what we've been building here. And I, I really want to jump into what I feel might be one of the big questions, and that's about e-commerce and its effect on retail. Because I think a lot of people assume that e-commerce is coming in and destroying what has always been this this brick-and-mortar retail business. And 
According to your report, that's not necessarily true. So I'd, I'd like to start there, um, especially again, going back to multifamily property managers who might be thinking about putting in retail commercial properties that are looking to extend their retail operations. There might be some apprehension uh, regarding opening up some new new retail shops with the e-commerce explosion. Uh, but according to you guys, it's it's not really the death of retail. Can you dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. And I adore this question because it gives us a chance to really, like I said, cut through the noise and, and myth bust a little bit. I feel like I should have a cape on when I do this. Like <laughs> myth uh, <laughs> but so this myth around e-commerce ruining retail is fascinating. And I've come up with a term for it. I call it the e-pocalypse, which I think is, is always fun. But the <laughs> e-pocalypse myth is that exactly what you said, right? That, that brick and mortar's dead, everyone's going online, and there's no future for retail, so everybody flee. Um, and that's not the case. So what we found, first of all, it's your very basic data point. Everyone thinks e-commerce is taking over. E-commerce is still less than 10% of the retail market, of all retail sales, right? It's still a small portion, and it's smaller than in many other countries. It's growing, yes, but it's still very small. And what I found the most fascinating kind of myth-busting fact around e-commerce is that of that 10%, it's about 9.5 today, of that 9.5% of retail sales that are taking place online, everybody assumes it's these online-only e-tailers, and that's not true. Actually, 50% of the online sales today are the online sales of brick-and-mortar brands, So, and, and we see that share growing. So there's a big myth that online is taking over. If you calculate this out, those e-tailers, those players that only operate online businesses, is actually less than 4% of the overall retail market, according to our calculations. So the threat that we're talking about here needs to be put in perspective with those numbers, first and foremost. Um, and then we know that brick-and-mortar brands, all those brands we traditionally associate with, with physical stores, they've been investing heavily in their e-commerce platforms, right? So when you look at brands like Nordstrom or the Urban Outfitters umbrella of brands or the Williams-Sonoma, we're looking at 25 to 53% of their online of their revenue is coming from online. So I like to challenge the question of is e-commerce taking over brick and mortar and I flip it and I ask actually is it the other way around? Could we be saying that brick and mortar retailers are actually learning to take over e-commerce and leverage it to their advantage? So that's that's one of the the first points I like to make around e-commerce and in myth busting. And so What's, what's funny to me is that if you then take that model and spin it the other way, you have these e-commerce sites like Amazon that are beginning to open up stores for easy pickup, and then they're the ones that are actually, that were originally trying to take away from those brick-and-mortar retails, now creating brick-and-mortar stores for that convenience factor for the ultimate consumer. Absolutely, and that's one of the most compelling examples to illustrate the point that the store is not dead. What we had was this growth of these online-only players that were interested in creating a retail business model that was streamlined, focused on logistics, and didn't involve real estate costs when it came to the store. And the assumption being that it would be cheaper to run a business like that, more efficient, and you could offer better prices to consumers. And what these players have found is that while consumers like the ease and convenience of online, they prefer having access to both the store and online. 
So the online-only players have found that actually to, to surpass a certain level of revenue and revenue growth, they really do need the store. We found that consumers time and time again are citing that they prefer buying online when they're able to access a store and understand the brand, touch the merchandise, feel the merchandise, engage with the customer service physically. Um, it's also interesting to note that a lot of times we assume it's cheaper to run an online business than to run an in-store business. Um, and that's actually um, false in a lot of cases. The costs associated with delivery and returns of online orders are tremendous, um, very, very high, especially when we're talking about uh, returns. Because in most cases here in the US, we're not paying for shipping, and we're certainly not paying for returns. So the costs associated with e-commerce from a logistics standpoint have been tremendous and have posed significant challenges to retailers, which is another reason why they're turning to stores as physical networks that can lower some of those costs. If you can encourage customers to buy online, pick up in store, or if you can encourage customers to return in a store, and you not only save on shipping and logistics costs of pushing things through your supply chain, you also have all of these upsell opportunities. So when you go into a store to buy something, you tend to buy other things too. Whereas when you buy something online, you tend to find it, buy it, close the browser, and you're done, right? So yeah. there, there's still a lot of, of kind of human psychology that comes into buying in the store. So let's talk about human psychology then. Uh, I like the segues <laughs> that you're kind of providing for this conversation. Um, so in my head, like listening to you speak just now, I'm trying to think of the different, I guess, industries within retail that are more um, – that are more on that have that online base versus ones that feel like they have to be brick and mortar. Like you used to think that furniture, for example, was something you had to go in, touch and feel. And now with beds and, and so many online mattress companies that are able to ship things to your door, uh, what are the what are the different industries within retail that are most impacted by this e-commerce boom as well as the the blending of e-commerce and brick and mortar retail? Sure, and I think that's a really important point to make because a lot of times we talk about the e-commerce share being 9.5% of the retail market, but the truth is that, that the share and the impact of e-commerce varies incredibly by, by two, two factors. I actually look at it like a matrix. There's two factors determining how your retail business or your area will be impacted by e-commerce. So one is your category. And so whether you are in, as you mentioned, furniture, if you're in food and beverage, if you're in jewelry, if you're in some of these categories where the consumer prefers to touch, taste, feel, smell before they buy, um, those are the areas where we're seeing uh, lower e-commerce penetration and slower e-commerce growth. However, if you are in a soft goods category, if you're in apparel, if you're in electronics, um, if you're in footwear, a lot of those areas actually are seeing um, more e-commerce growth and higher share, where consumers feel more comfortable uh, taking those risks and buying something without seeing it. Now, the other element, the second factor that impacts how much e-commerce is going to play into your business is your price point. And this doesn't get talked about enough, I think. When you look at a pricing spectrum, you've got, to simplify it, low price value discount, mm -hmm. mid-range, and then high-end, you know, everything from kind of high-end to luxury. 
Now, the mid-range is the area where e-commerce is highest. So when you think about brands and goods that you're buying, people tend to be most comfortable going online for that mid-price range. When you go down to the discount end or when you go up to the high end is when people actually are going into the store. So a lot of those brands and companies that are sitting on those two ends of the pricing spectrum actually have pretty low e-commerce rates. Um, one of the reasons for the discounted value in is that in order to keep prices low, those companies aren't doing a lot of online because that raises the costs and then would raise the price to consumers. And consumers are also very willing, we're willing to go into the store when there's a bargain or a discount that entices us in. And then, of course, on the luxury and high end, uh, when you are dropping a large sum of money on an item, whether it's a purse or a pair of shoes um, or a television set, you are preferring to see it. Um, and you also have the fact that with luxury in particular, there's a huge emphasis on the store experience. So you're going to go in, you're going to be catered to, you're going to have a glass of champagne, you're going to um, have a store experience that's, that's very unique and distinct and that draws people in. So that's funny because as you were, as you were talking this time, I, I, I think about that as well. Um, it's for that lower end and that higher end, it becomes more important for some of these companies to now embrace both the e-commerce and the brick and mortar to help, help service somebody who may be wanting to touch and feel, but maybe make that ultimate purchase price online. Absolutely. Everybody, no matter where you sit on that price spectrum and what category category you're in, needs to be thinking, how do I integrate my digital and my physical? And how they do that is going to change, right? If you're a luxury brand, uh, one of your main concerns is making sure that you have a, a tight control on your customer experience from beginning to end. And how do you control the experience that a customer has with your brand um, you know, shipping something and dropping it off at their doorstep. Um, so how do you control that luxury experience and make sure the customer has that um, high-end, you know, end-to-end -end feel uh, when you are dropping something off on their doorstep? So it's a challenge for them. Um, but being able to provide digital interaction, um, I think that looking forward, technologies like virtual reality, um, a lot of data and analytics that allow brands to predict what a consumer wants. All of those are going to play into how different brands and companies leverage digital and physical networks to provide a truly omni-channel experience. So we've been talking a lot about the retailer and, and what they can do to embrace the e-commerce and embrace the, the different technologies. If I'm a property manager listening to this podcast right now, and again, it could be multifamily with that new trend. It can be commercial, you know, property managers who are trying to extend their properties and open up to retailers. What what should be top of mind for them given this phenomenon? And I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, they, they might be afraid if they have historically had percentage rents with their retailers, that that might be changing, that model might be changing with the e-commerce introduction. Um, what is it that they should be thinking about? Everything. Everything you said and more, right? <laughs> that's, that's the simple answer. But everything you said and more, because this is not something that just affects retailers. This affects everybody up and down the retail food chain, if you think of it that way. Um, first and foremost, I preach to the industry 
on the landlord side that you need to be thinking about tenant mix. I don't think this is something that's talked about enough, but as we just talked about how e-commerce impacts different categories and different price points and different brands differently, you as a landlord or as an owner need to understand how your tenant mix is going to be affected and how, how vulnerable or exposed your tenant mix is to online encroachment, right? Mm-hmm. So classic example is your typical regional mall. And regional malls, of course, you have 400 to 800,000 square feet anchored by you know, two to four or five department stores. The ones that have been in the media with a lot of dark headlines that the mall is dead. That's what I'm thinking of with the regional mall. If you look at the average regional mall in the U.S., about 50% of the GLA is department store, and about 58% of the inline space, the remaining space, is apparel and accessories. Now, that's a problem because now you're talking about having about 75% of your GLA dedicated to categories that are very low growth and also very high for e-commerce growth. So in the regional mall space, one of the biggest challenges is a tenant mix issue. There's a mismatch between what the tenant mix as it was built 70 years ago looked like and what it needs to look like today. And so tenant mix is a huge um, a huge factor that landlords need to be thinking about, and in many cases shifting towards higher growth categories, lower e-commerce. And another area that landlords and owners absolutely need to be thinking about is convenience. So the number one reason consumers shop online, and this is found survey after survey, is convenience. It's mm-hmm. not pricing, it's that it's easy, it's fast. So what retailers and landlords need to be thinking about is how do I make the shopping experience in my physical property as simple and as easy and as pain-free as possible? And that's everything from parking to finding the store to finding the facilities to getting back to your car and driving home. And so landlords are investing in technologies, in apps, in redesign that facilitates the whole shopping experience and makes it super easy because at this point in time when we've gotten so used to the convenience of online shopping, we're carrying those expectations into the store, into the malls, into the shopping centers, and landlords have to step up and provide that. A third area I would mention is, is probably the most talked about, which is, which is convenience. Sorry, <laughs> experience, I was talking about convenience. So experience is really important because about 10 or 15 years ago when you wanted to buy something. Uh, anywhere, you had to go to the store. You didn't have a choice, it was an obligation. But today, when you want to buy something, you have a choice. And so going into the store is no longer something you have to do, it's something you choose to do. And that really flipped the strategy for retailers and for landlords in you no longer can just rely on the fact that consumers need you, you have to convince us to come in. And so in that context, retailers and landlords are really having a focus on creating an environment and experience that is unique, distinct, and worth us coming in. So are there any other things from the report that uh, you found interesting you'd want our listeners to know about? Sure. I think there's, there's one area that is touched on in the report and that we're exploring further, which is around Gen Z, which is the generation that comes after the millennials. And I think millennials get a really bad rap in the news and we, we don't have the best reputation out there in terms of what we're doing to, to the world and to, and to retail specifically. <laughs> uh, we're not that bad. 
But what's interesting is a lot of the research that's coming out right now around Gen Z, which is about 11 to 19-year-olds, um, and how they want to shop. And there's a really interesting emphasis on the store, where we assume that the younger generations are all digital natives and only want to do everything online, but actually there's a really strong desire for physical retail and almost a, a return to the store and a demand for the store. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see and track this trend over time and really makes me quite optimistic about the future of the store and the future of retail in general, that we have a, a even younger consumer base that's coming up still very much wed to brick and mortar. The return to malls and mall rats. Perhaps, but the mall will look different. <laughs> yeah, all with, with full Wi-Fi accessibility. Full Wi-Fi, uh, mobile app. Fountains, benches, placemaking, everything. <laughs> so, so tell me, Melina, what's uh, new and exciting happening over at CBRE? All sorts of things. Well, on the research side, um, we are continuing to expand all of our e-commerce and omni-channel research, and we're expanding this hub that we've built around omni-channel to include global content. So, we're going to have uh, interesting insights from across the globe and how this is varying by country and by market. Um, we also are expanding our innovation hub, which is a similar initiative where we're looking at instances of innovation across retail, whether it's technology and data or in-store design. So that's another exciting area for us. And then from a business standpoint, I think the retail business is evolving in a really interesting way in that you traditionally a company like CBRE is known for brokerage. And that's actually not what we do anymore in retail. We are advisors and expanding the capabilities, not just from traditional transaction services, but now we are partnering with design firms. We are working with project management and construction. We are working with facilities management. And I think one of the, one of the most interesting partnerships we've done recently is with a company called StreetSense, which is based here in DC where I am that does a lot of uh, work with brands and design of physical spaces and placemaking, and just goes to show how not, not only is the retail industry evolving, but all of the companies and businesses that service retail are evolving with it, and I think it's a really exciting place to be. Well, thank you so much, Melina, for joining me today. I really appreciate our talk. Well, thank you. This was fun. And if you'd like more information on Melina and CBRE, you can check out their website, at cbre.us and I think we'll leave a link um, to their retail innovation page as well as that report we were referring to in the show notes so you'll be able to find it there and until next time we will see you later